Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome back to Boss and Cage. And, and this episode is not the standard podcast episode. This is a special episode that's for the book club. And we're talking with Donnie. And you do, you know, those that remember Donnie, he's the champion networking boss from season two. And we're gonna really dive into his brand new book titled Fuck to Focus. So I just said fuck twice just to make sure that Donnie knows it's okay to say fuck. I said it three times now. You want to you know, you you say fuck a couple of times just to clear the airway, to, to cough up your lung, to make sure you got the lung capacity to say fuck a few more times? Uh, dude, I'm sure I will say fuck more often than even your people are ready for. So, so uh, but thank you for that because I forgot to even ask you. I thought it was going to be okay, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, because I was interviewed yesterday and literally the gal wouldn't say the name of the book every time she was like, okay, Donnie, go ahead. And, what's the name of your book? Mm. I'm like, go ahead, say it, say it, say it. She's like, nope. I'm like, go say fuck to focus. You're fine. <laughs> Hilarious. So like, just dive into this book. I mean, obviously this is not your first rodeo. This is not your first book. You've yeah. written other books before that kind of built up to this book. And, and I read the other ones as well, but I mean, this one, I would say the articulation and the way you tell your stories, you can kind of tell like now you've owned becoming an author. So I want to talk about it. Like what what is your feelings versus your original book series versus your current book? Monster difference. Um, You know, I I really will tell you if you go back to how to be a success champion, that book was written. um, I really thought it was going to be okay. Write a book that's going to get me on stage. That was going to give me some notoriety. Um, So and it didn't, um, by the way, um, because I didn't understand the point that books don't do shit for you unless you know how to leverage books. Um, so so uh, Endless Stream Referrals, when I wrote that, was my first dab really into how do I teach something that people can tangibly take away. When I wrote Fuck to Focus, I had one mission. And I wanted to help the motherfuckers who were in my exact spot coming up. And I wanted to write everything that I wish somebody would have said to me as I was building a business, because I put myself on an island early on. And what I mean by that is I didn't want anybody to know how bad business was. I didn't want anybody to know how much I was fucking up because, you know, everybody's like, you know, you're supposed to be positive energy and be smiling all the time and happy. And that was just making me miserable, putting on this front face of everything's supposed to be great. Like somebody said, there's the, the you know uh, toxic happiness. I'm all about that right now because it's a real thing, you know. And so, so as I wrote the book, I actually wrote you know a line on my computer, so I remember every time. Is this book is for people who are two or more years in business, have fucked everything up, and are now trying to figure it out. And because that's about where I was when I finally started figuring out how to build a business, but there was nobody there to tell me how to build a business. So I'm like, and in writing this book, I knew I was going to get as raw as I fuck. And people say they get raw all the time, yeah. you know, but I'm tell you, I fucking cried writing the conversation between me and my wife, because that was a bitch to fucking write. And it took me forever just to write that freaking conversation out um because you know it was almost like i was living it again um so so, but this this book and i I think why it's doing so well um with people is they can feel it you know as they read the book they can feel that i really put my soul into this damn thing yeah yeah i I definitely i definitely agree i mean even like you know talking about like chapter one i mean chapter one you laid it out right out the box about you know being a sales professional and then having an nda to where you couldn't even do anything and he was like oh i'm gonna become a ceo and he was like what the hell does a ceo do right what what is that what was that definition and then you were talking about how you developed an entire definition of what you did 
as a success coach. And then you was like, what the hell is that? So like, <laughs> let's talk about that. Talk about that first chapter. I mean, like how do, I mean, obviously you were a sales guy and you were selling and then you had an NDA in place. Like how the fuck did you like, what the hell? Why yeah. did you sign the damn NDA? First of all, well, second, it was, oh, it, I, yeah, it, yeah oh. it was, a, it was a non-compete. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, um, uh, when I went to work for the sales training company, I really thought that that was going to be my thing. And even for years, I thought I was going to retire. I was going to buy out my business partner and I was going to sail off and, and you know, and sales training was going to be my, my thing. So signing documentation back then, no big whoop. I also had it in the back of my head. I'm in Texas, man. Non, non-competes don't hold up, you know? So um, I had this kind of dynamic playing through. I never thought that the, the things that played out of me having a falling out with my business partner, who's still a great friend of mine, you know, and I was going to launch my own business. I never, when the attorney showed up in my farm, I don't know if I even put that in the book, but yeah, 24 hours after launching my business, two attorneys showed up in my farm with my non-compete papers, right? Um, I didn't even remember I had the non-compete. I didn't even remember that I'd signed the documentation. You know, but now here I was staring at, I can't talk about the only thing I knew, which was sales. Um, and it was going to cost me a half a million dollars to, to beat this thing. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to be a success coach. And, and I say it in the book. And to this day, I still don't know what a fucking success coach is. But it's definitely some sort of business whore that just says yes to any business that comes through. And I, I think for a lot of people that year one of business is let's throw a bunch of shit at the wall. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I don't know exactly what I'm selling, but by God, I'm not going back to work for somebody else. And nobody's out there talking about it, you know, because everybody's like, yo, hey, you got to be this positive energy. You got to, you know, be this confident individual that's showing up and doing the things. No, you're one. You just got to sell shit, right? Um, And figure out how to fucking get enough money come in to pay the bills. I tell everybody, you know, you're, you're not trying to thrive. You're just trying to live, get past survival mode and live. And, but not knowing what the fuck I sold, dude, that's what caused some freaking dark moments because money wasn't going to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, literally it was all coming down to, I had to figure out how to build a business. And that was a massive evolution that I wasn't prepared for. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think when when I hear these stories, and again, obviously every every man has lived these stories, right? And, and they always say behind every man, like there's a strong woman. And until this book, right? Like Donnie's always been the face of his company. And maybe you see his wife without names, without titles behind the scenes. So he finally kind of brought his audience into that. So I, I kind of renamed chapter one, the D-E-K, right? And, I, and the D-E-K stands for Donnie, Elizabeth, and Kevin. Because that's like, that's the real <laughs> meat and potatoes, right? Even in the front of the book, he's like, thank you. To these two right. people so like i mean the book was really more so a dedication to them and going back to what you were saying about your wife i mean obviously she was saying like you know you promised her dad that mm. her mom was able to live in a farm and you were just trying to figure things out and i think the thing that she said to you that kind of hit that light bulb was like well then change the world so yeah. like i want you to talk about it going into chapter two like the champion's vision like what was the, i mean did you really have that vision or did you get that vision after she said well if you're gonna do some shit shut the fuck up and then do it change the damn world no, it was it was after her her telling me to to change the world, and um, which was fascinating for me because I was rebelling against the idea of building a networking business, um, and because I, I didn't want to be around networking because anybody who teaches networking is just a broke motherfucker that can't sell, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I mean, look, it's networking. Go say fucking hi to somebody. Give them your business card. Set a fucking meeting good. You just log networking, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's really that damn simple. And, and people are out there trying to teach all these tactics and, and, and let's be honest, everybody finds networking because they're fucking struggling with sales, hmm. right? You know, no, nobody gets into networking because they're fucking crushing it in the sales game. They're looking for another way to bring in fucking revenue. So, um, when she told me that, it gave me a direction and it gave me kind of this mission to take on. And what really became interesting as the first time I told somebody I was going to change how the world networks, they leaned in on me and I went, wait, there's something there. Mm. 
Yeah. Right. So I, and I damn sure didn't call it a champion's vision back then. I, I you know, evolved into that thought process. But what I found is the more that I felt that I could actually do this, I could truly change how the world networks. Um, and the more I kept telling people, this is what I was going to do, man, more and more people came to the table. So, um, and in the book, I even talk about a little bit, it's, it's can be extremely difficult to find your fucking vision and your own vision for yourself and what you're doing, because, you know, people are so ingrained in what their business is and what they're doing. And they're so emotionally tied to it because, you know, you got to make money or, you know, you go back and work with somebody else. And when you're so emotionally tied to something, it's very hard to kind of get on the outside and look back in and go, okay, this is what the business is of what I'm actually trying to accomplish. So uh, that's why I put in some of the biggest examples, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, a, a computer for people like us, you know, and things like that. Um, my favorite, though, is and I can't pronounce his name, but I put him in the book, but it's the African gentleman, you know, who said he's going to change telecom. If you haven't read his fucking story, dude, it's brilliant. Uh, he was actually offered a McDonald's franchise free and clear. And he turned it down to fucking fix telecom for all of Africa. And, and when you have that vision that is so fucking powerful and it lights you the fuck up, it's really easy to tell that vision to other people. And that's, that's what I was trying to get people to wrap their head around, man, is you got to have something that's going to impact and change your world. Doesn't have to be the world a whole, but it's damn sure going to have to impact. And it's, and it's not a financial thing. Right. This is literally a heartfelt thing that you get it right and motherfuckers are going to lean in and help you want to build it. So, I mean, I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, hearing like, you know, you're putting all this passion and vision into it. Right. But I mean, obviously you coming from a sales background and I think in the book you were saying that you were part of like 11 networking groups. Right. So a sales guy in networking kind of makes logical sense. And then a sales guy that can't sell then moving into networking, I think obviously you were destined to do what you, if it didn't happen, you wouldn't be where you are. So it happened for a reason. Right. So sure. that, that kind of leads me into like, like chapter four, like your code. Right. And, and again, you're talking about delivering value. So like just break down the acronym of value and what that really means for the champions code. So for sure. So, you know, uh, here's the thing. I don't like rules. Okay. Period. End of story. So what I had to figure out was literally, you know, how do I put parameters on my business to help me slow down in some decision making? I'm a fast fucking decision maker. And so in making decisions, I was constantly burning things up and fucking things up and doing shit that wasn't a... It was constantly derailing the business, if you will. So by coming up with the codes, they really gave me a, a structure to bounce decisions and ideas off of. So we broke down, you know, your champion's codes using the value, values acronym to help me remember what my codes are. So the first one is vivid right? Like your champions codes have got to live in color. And I'm, this is, I'm, I'm you're going to start seeing a lot of my content come out talking about, you know, live life in color, because I think most people are, are, are living kind of in this gray tone, you know, black and white type world, and it's kicking their ass. And so your champions codes have got to be something that lights you up. And when you say it, it's you got to feel it. Right. You know, a lot of people, when they're thinking about their champions codes, they're throwing out kind of generic overused phrases that don't evoke emotion. So when I say things like family first, I fucking mean it, mm -hmm. you know, because um, when people are around me and they're like, you know, we've all been in careers and things where we miss family stuff because we were working this that, and the other, not in my fucking world. Right. I want you to get to the fucking baseball game. If somebody's sick, I want you to be there. Right. It's, it's a real thing. And, you know, just on that, idea alone, family first wasn't as high on our code list as it's, as it's become because people didn't believe us. So we had to keep pushing that to the higher. But the second one is they got to be authentic. 
right? They got to be real. And people always screw up what authenticity means because, you know, it's just a bastardized term at this point. But, you know, they've got to be in your words, your language. They've got to be something you truly believe in. The, the, Next thing, you know, the L in values, you got to list out the qualities of it, right? Like what are the specific parameters? What are the things that you actually have to accomplish? And what do you need these codes to do? Um, the next one is you got to understand the vibe. You know, how do you want people to feel? So not, you know, vivid is, is how you want to feel. Vibe is how you want others around you to feel, right? How do you want them to think? And what emotions do you want to pop up? when they hurt, when they hear these. And then the last one is explore and fuck up. Um, you know, because in, in a, one of our codes is go break shit, mm -hmm. you know, and we have that out there because we know if we get complacent, you know, we don't aren't trying enough new things and getting out there. So, so you've got to be willing to put the codes to the test. And then the last one is show them off. Like if nobody sees your codes, then are they really codes? And, you know, um, and it was funny is after the book came out, uh, there was a post that went really viral on a lot of platforms and I forget the name of the company, but they're out of the UK and one of their codes on their wall, it says, don't be a dick. And they were catching hell because of the word dick. And I'm like, what a more brilliant way to say, you know, this is one of our codes. And well, actually one of our codes is don't be a dick as well, right? Um, but I didn't know that that was that viral post is fixing to come out. Um, and we really tossed around the idea of don't be an asshole, don't be a dick, which way do we go? And the, that phrase, don't be a dick, really, I think hits home for what we want to do because there's no gray area, right? You, you know exactly what it means. And so, but you really got to show them off to get a lot of people see them so they know what you stand for. And then you got to be able to defend them. Hmm. You know, uh, because you if you're not living up to the standards of those, you know, or somebody's putting you in a compromised position where you've got to lean on those, you got to defend them. Man. You got to make sure that that these are things that truly represent who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I, when I heard the values and I heard the acronym, I was like, I could, I could hear you in my voice screaming these shits out to, to the to the general audience and stating the facts. But I think more so than anything else, I think one of the statements that you made in, in chapter four was you want to geek out with people that geek out on what you geek out on. And, and yep. I think people that they don't, they don't understand that definition of that. So prime example, like in, in Donnie's um, networking group, right? Every once in a while, we'll, we'll throw a little smart ass remark at Donnie about Harry Potter. But again, 80% of the population in this group, they all love Harry Potter. So again, you have yep. to find people that geek out on what you geek out on. So yep. that kind of leads me into chapter five. I mean, like you're talking, the title of that chapter is What Am I Selling? But I think the real moral of that story kind of goes back to the geek out on what people geek out on is people buy from people. Yep. So I want you to kind of talk about that. I mean, you're a sales guy, right? So you're a sales yep. guy. You're telling me that the benefits and the features of a product or service is not what's selling it. You're telling yeah. me people are buying from you. Let's talk about that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm getting louder and louder on this because most people that are teaching sales come from a transactional background. You know, so they 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 come from a one-time sale and most of us are living in a world where there's not a one-time sale. This isn't a transaction. This is a lifelong relationship. So, so I'm telling everybody, pay attention to who's who's delivering the information out there and, and go look at their background and where they come from because you may be getting some shitty information. I literally, the gal I talked to before, she's like, I've been paying the sales coach for a lot of money for a long time and it's not working. And I said, well, what do they sell? And he was a fucking life insurance guy, you know, and she's selling promotional products into these Fortune 500 companies. I'm like, yeah, all that shit he's teaching you is not going to work trying to get into a Fortune 5. And here's the thing. Growing up, you and I are in this world where everybody bought brand, you know, and brand fucking outweighed everything. Brand's still important. Like Nike's still Nike, Coke's still Coke, you know, and the likes. But at the end of the day, people are buying the individual and then getting what they do, right? right? People are going to buy Essay. People are going to buy Donnie. And then they're going to get our services. So your personal brand is 10 times stronger than anything else in the marketplace. And you know, half the sales battle is being a, becoming a fucking human mm. and becoming a real person. And if you're leading with features and benefits, if you're leading with a pitch, you're trying to close the sale and do all this shit we grew up on, you become a salesperson and the salesperson is not human. 
right? Because there's some unwritten code in the world that says it's all right to be a dick to a salesperson, right? It's all right to fucking talk down to a salesperson. It's all right to fucking not follow up or not return phone calls to salespeople because they're just salespeople. Hmm. But when you become human, you earn respect, right? You become, or you earn respect, right? Um, when you become human, you become a person. And it's like most of the problems of the world today could be solved with a cup of fucking coffee because you put two people down, set a cup of coffee between them, and you're not going to have all the fighting and chaos and the conversation because they're two fucking humans talking to each other. And 99% of the time, people will have a real, genuine adult conversation. So it's the same thing in sales is you've got to become human as quickly as possible. So for me, a lot of it came from talking about Harry Potter, talking about the Renaissance fairs, talking about, you know, the farm life and, you know, wearing a ball cap, wearing a t-shirt, cussing like a fucking cuss and, you know, just being myself because those attract my tribe, my people, you know, uh, uh, like I reach out to a lot of podcasts and people reach out to my podcast. I'm like, put my book title in every reach out because if they see the book title, fuck to focused. And they don't want me on the show. It's an instant qualifier, right? It works really well for me, you know. And I think that's that's half the battle with all this. Yeah, well, I think you you brought up another key point, right? I mean, obviously, you're talking about like the ideal customer avatar, and it kind of goes back to you saying, "Well, what am I selling versus who you're selling?" And that, that kind of leads us to chapter six. And and I think you know Donnie's really good with these acronyms. I don't know if it's Kevin sitting now writing acronyms or you're writing acronyms, but it's usually me. It's usually you. Okay, so like let's talk about like the ICA for a minute. And I yep. think you kind of touched on it lightly, but I mean the ideal customer avatar, and and second to that is like the GSDs. So let's talk about those two acronyms <laughs> for sure. So your ideal client avatar, that's the the exact perfect person you want to sell to. And, you know, the ideal ICA, we'll just keep it short, um, is, is it hangs a lot of people up because they hear things like you should niche down and you should go after a specific clientele and people get very small minded thinking very, very, very quickly. So I'll try and make it as easy as possible. When you niche down and you get very focused on a specific target, most people will tell you that you should write your copy towards them. You should put your branding towards them and everything should be geared towards it. And it's not wrong. It's just, it doesn't do shit for me. The reason you niche down and you get very focused on a certain type of client is because then you become referable, hmm. right? So like I was talking to an SEO company yesterday and I said, you know, who do you work with? Like, who's your target clientele? And his first response was anybody with a website. And I'm like, dude, that is the dumbest thing you can say because you give me no ammunition, right? I, I, it, it's like, you know, me going, you know, I could train anybody in the world on sales. Not true, right? And, and so when you're as generic as that, people can't open doors for you. So what I said, okay, who's your favorite, most ideal company you've ever worked with? And he immediately started talking about this roofing company that just dominates, right? They were doing like five roofs a month and now they're doing like 40 roofs a month, right? And I'm like, why, why wouldn't you become the SEO guy for roofers? And he goes, because that limits my audience. And I said, how so? He goes, well, I don't want to put two competing roofers in one city. And I said, okay, why can't you get another roofer in the next city over? He goes, oh, I never thought about that. And I, I said, you know, are roofers good referrals for you? And he goes, well, actually, yeah. I said, stand by. And I jumped on LinkedIn and I started sending introductions because as soon as you get dialed into that ideal client, you get in that, in that ideal niche, you become instantly referable because we all know people in those industries and we can open those doors for you. Flip it over to the GSD. This is one of my favorite things in the world. So a GSD stands for a get shit done individual. And I'll describe them very, very plainly. So everybody is for years thrown around this idea of you need to be a circle of influence, right? A COI because, you know, and I think it's the actually exact opposite of what you want to be. A circle of influence knows everybody in town. The GSD, everybody in town knows them. And it's a massive difference. A circle of influence can walk into a room and tell you everybody that's there and, you know, make all the introductions. A GSD walks into a room and people come to them, right? Their presence walks through the door most times before they walk in. 
And when you know you want to specifically work with these GSD type people, you instantly get a higher caliber of individual because their entire life has been a series of always going to the front. Right? You never find them sitting in the crowds. You know, they're always in leadership roles. And when you are, for us particularly, when you're focused on bringing GSDs together, these get shit done individuals, and you put a pile of them in, in, a, in a room, in a group, and good shit's going to happen because they're, they're so well connected to the right people that they instantly are able to get people to exactly where they want to go. So that circle of influence typically tends to be the networker and the networkers broke because they're everywhere doing everything. The GSD is very laser focused on where they're spending time and they're going to things to get connected to the right damn people. And when you can wrap your head around these kind of ideals, and for most people, for your, their ICAs, if they can do things like give them a name like a GSD like we do, it really makes it easy to describe to other people. Because often, you know, in trainings and things, I'm like, let me describe what a GSD is. I just want you to give me a first name of a person. And people are like, oh, I know exactly who that is, right? You just get them dialed in. So it works. It's, it's a pretty cool way to look at it. It's very cool. So I, I, I love I like the way you finished that. So but I'm going to skip over chapter seven and go right to chapter eight. And I want right. to talk about based upon like the ICAs and GSDs, like disqualifying. And I mean, the entire <laughs> chapter was about everyone. I was talking about qualify your leads, qualify your leads. But I mean, what you just described is, is an organic way of, of disqualifying people. Right. You're talking about people that don't geek out on what you geek out on. You're talking about people that are not your ideal avatar. You're talking about people that, that don't get shit done. So just talk about the disqualifying disqualifying factors. Yeah. And you already said, you know, that we all grew up in this in this realm of you've got to qualify, qualify, qualify. And it's just it doesn't work in this day and age because qualifying forces you to pitch. Qualifying forces you to become that salesperson you don't want to be. So what I tell everybody is there there's only a handful of things you specifically need to know about an individual to be able to decide if there's somebody you want to work with. And, you know, they, you know, got to have the simple things like they got to have the budget to be actually spent with you. They got to have the ability to make a decision. They got to be able to invest the time and energy into whatever you're selling, right? You know, they've got to have a desire and need for what you're selling. And then my favorite one, the last one is you got to actually like the motherfucker you're trying to sell to. Mm. Right. And most people, have never thought about it. Do I actually like this person? I'm like, I'll take it even a step forward and go, uh, would you invite this motherfucker over for Sunday dinner with the family? And it's a cool way to change the dynamics of the conversation. So if you look at it from those are the parameters, those are the things that I need to have. Now your conversation shift from, okay, one, I got to figure out what I actually invite this motherfucker to my house on Sunday. And to do that, man, that's a fucking lot of questions, a lot of getting to know them, a lot of fucking rapport, a lot of trust that has to be built up because you're going to invite them in your fucking household. You know, you better know this dude. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And and then you flip it and you got to understand, do they have a budget? Can they make a decision? Will they invest the time and energy? Your whole conversation becomes a series of questions. Mm-hmm. And they become genuine, real questions because you're invested in truly understanding this person. And the cool thing about, about going in and disqualifying somebody from this perspective of asking and uncovering all these questions is motherfuckers will, will self-qualify out or into your system. And I think the greatest thing that happens when you have these great adult real conversations is when you realize the synergies there, everything's right. Nine times out of 10, they're going to look at you and go, you know what? Not 100% sure what I'm buying, but I'm in. I'm excited to get started. And, you know, or you get to a place where you realize, all right, this dude is not, or this gal is not the person that I want to work with. They don't answer. They don't tick all my boxes, right? Now all I'm going to do is I'm not even going to make an offer. I'm not even going to pitch. I'm not going to give them anything. I'm going to introduce them to some other people that may be some great introductions or some great synergy partners for them. And so at no point do you become the greaseball salesperson, you become a fucking human being. And when you go into these conversations with this dynamic, it just blows people's minds because they're so used to the used car type of selling of, well, let me tell you how awesome I am. Let me tell you what makes our company great. You eliminate all that shit. Fucking most people, 
they know what the fuck you do, right? So a lot of it is getting them to understand. Remember, people buy from people, mm-hmm. right? This establishes you as a human. And when you can get trust established on both sides of the table, the deal happens. There's never a need for closing. I don't believe in closing at all. I do believe in closure, mm-hmm. right? which is you get a yes, no, or a next step in every conversation. A next step is, you know, it's on both your calendars and you know specifically why you're meeting again, right? And, and when you can get to that dynamic, if you've got to get to closure, every conversation, there's never a close. Because most times you're telling them no because they don't hit all your parameters, right? There's no trying to convince, coerce, manipulate, maneuver to get them to do the business. Because if you do any sort of closure manipulation or anything like that, you're going to create a transaction and not a lifelong relationship, right? Because somewhere along the lines, you're going to fuck up that delivery um, and not be able to, because when you close, man, you typically are selling something to somebody that they didn't even really need. You're forcing them into a situation. But if you disqualify people, you'll win so much more beautiful business that lasts with you forever and will last through the ups and downs of anything that happens. Wow. That's definitely uh, insightful. And I, I think that that's why I kind of flipped the order of those. Like when I was listening to it, I listened to them forward, listened to them backwards. And I was like, if there's one thing I would want to change in the book would be the order of chapter seven and chapter eight. Cause chapter seven, you're kind of like building up to like a business development strategy. And you were kind of talking a story about the 15 by 20 mm. and like, you know, that equals success. And like, how do you take all this information from these first seven to eight chapters and you apply it to the champion's table? So like, let's talk about like that 15 by 20. Like how the hell did you come up with those numbers? First of all, right. 15 by 20. And how does that essentially work? Well, and I want to address the, the chapters things. I can't tell you how many times in those chapters I was fucking moving shit around going, yeah. should this go here? Should this go here? Um, and so it's actually fascinating to hear you say that because um, I bet you those chapters moved a dozen times trying to figure out the flow of them. So that's, that's great feedback. Um, the 15 by 20 equals success was a complete fluke. Um, I, I'd love to say I had some fucking spark of genius, but the truth of the matter is, man, I was so bogged down by business that business development kept falling to the wayside you know and and everybody can relate man you're running a business uh you're like okay man today i'm gonna cold call i'm gonna do all the shit that i need to do you get going fucking phone rings email comes through and now you're putting out fires you get to the end of the day you're like fuck i didn't prospect i didn't do anything you know and if you don't do some sort of business development activity every day, man, you're going to fucking stale out or you're going to start going backwards because you've got to keep the pipeline full. So I'm like, dude, how the fuck do I stay in the game? And, and truth of the matter is um, I needed accountability that would force my hand. So um, I'm like, all right, what's the minimum amount of activity I can do on a daily basis and at the same time uh, that I was figuring this out, there was a TikTok video that was fucking trending and it was this gal cleaning her fucking kitchen. And she's like, I suck at cleaning my fucking kitchen. But what I found is if I took a fucking stove timer, set it to 15 minutes, hmm. I could clean my fucking kitchen in less than 15 minutes. And I was done way before that timer went off. And I'm like, fuck, can I apply that to fucking business development? Hmm. So I did one day, I set the fucking timer and go, okay, how much can I get done? And dude, I, I got through about 20 calls, you know, 20 reach outs. And all of a sudden the timer goes off and it scared the shit out of me because I was so into the business development activity that I forgot about the timer. Hmm. So, so what I then tra- taught myself, and I hope that I remember I put it in the book, but um, is when that timer goes off, you throw your hands in the air like a fucking bull rider um, because you're done, right? It's, it's a massive mental maneuver to say, okay, I'm done with this activity today. Let's go get the rest of the day done. And so 15 by 20 every day. So 20 reach outs, 15 minutes a day, set the fucking egg timer and just go just became a rhythm. And what I found is it built momentum and it kept me into conversations. It kept my calendar full and it still allowed me to go do and put out all the fires and do all the things on a daily basis. Um, so it just became a natural activity to do over and over and over again. And, and it worked. 
Um, and I can attribute a lot of my sales success and building out success champions, you know, the family of companies uh, to 15 by 20 equals success. So like, let's take that 15 by 20 success, right? We're talking about everything we talked about, essentially the first eight chapters, and let's apply this to the champions table. And the champions table is a, is a mastermind group that you have. So I want you to kind of talk about that and how does this, this work is kind of, this book is essentially kind of like a, like a, a guide to the champions table, I would think, right? I mean, it's kind of for like sure. a predecessor for, so let's talk about that. So what I found, you know, with a lot of people as they were building their business is they were looking for business advice just the same as I was. Like I was, I was constantly trying to find ways to, to get around other people that were building businesses. So um, we came up with the champions table because people kept asking for it. So a couple of things that we do. One, we teach all this, you know, in a more intimate setting where it's more specifically focused to the individual in there. And we bring a bunch of business owners together to help make sure they can grow and ultimately scale their business. And we're just laser focused in small groups on people specifically. And we, the success stories are absolutely amazing. But one of the coolest things we do is part of it, I think to the point of your question, is we have massive accountability in there, right? Because people suck at holding themselves accountable to things. So each week, you know, each meeting, you'll set an accountability for what you'll have done prior to the next meeting. And then you got to answer for that, you know, in, in that following meeting, right? And when you tell a group of grown ass adults, other professionals that you're gonna do something, you don't wanna be the one that shows up, not have done the thing. And we take it shit to extreme sometimes, you know, and we get loud because um, people haven't been held accountable for a, a lot of years. So their self, self accountability muscle really sucks. So I'll make them put it out there in the world. I'm like, all right, go post on fucking social media that you'll do this by this day. And if not, you're going to do this. Mm. And, and you watch people fucking, you know, butthole puckers and they're like, all right, we're going to get this done. But, but when you put it out to the world, man, now the world gets to hold you accountable, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it was like the you know first time we did the badass business summit. I'm like, all right, we're going to rent out a fucking con convention center and we're going to put a date on the calendar, you know, uh, and we're going to do this. And it's like, Oh shit, this is real. We got to do this. Right. But it's massive accountability out there. So that's a lot of it inside champion stable is, is uh, a lot of nurturing, helping you build a business, and then on the back end of it, a ton of accountability. I, I think that that's such a, a great segue for chapter 10. And, I, and I've renamed chapter 10 My Fault, right? Because I mean, you, you had a whole paragraph, <laughs> he's like, My fault, it's my fault, it's my fault, my fault. So I like I, my, I, name, my name, though. That, usually that's the one that's the chapter everybody's like, That's my favorite chapter. I mean, I mean it, it, it just makes perfect sense. I mean, the actual title of, of that chapter is fuck your excuses. Right. But yep. I, I think, I mean, really and truly is what you just said about the champions table is about being held accountable. So I want you to, to kind of talk about it. I mean, you were saying, okay, if I didn't make a sale it's my fault, if I didn't close the deal it's my fault, if I didn't get the leads I wanted to it's my fault. So I want you to talk about that again for all the executives and entrepreneurs that are listening. Yeah. So, so it's, it's really interesting. You know, uh, when you work for somebody else, it's really easy to blame other people and they're, they're justifiable excuses. So I'll go back to my sales day. You know, if my numbers were off, I could blame marketing. I could blame the economy. I could blame competition. And they were all valid fucking excuses. But at the time I didn't know they were excuses. I thought they were explanations. And when I started running my business, I got to a point where I realized there was nobody left to blame. Mm. I, I couldn't blame marketing. I'm marketing. <laughs> I, I couldn't blame fucking, you know, my business development, you know, you know, leads coming in because I was business development, right? I couldn't blame, you know, the economy because didn't matter what was happening. I had to make this shit work. And so I got to this place where I legitimately ran out of excuses. And it's one of the most fantastic fucking things in the world, because when you get to that place where you finally run out of excuses, I think you start living because everything's on you. I mean, every success, my fault. Every win, my fault. Every fuck up, my fault. Every deal that doesn't happen, my fault. Right. Every you know conversation I blow, my fault. And the, the beauty in understanding that, you know, kind of Jocko Willink's, you know, extreme ownership type mindset mm -hmm. is the idea 
or the things that come to mind after you own that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and I take this to those two extremes and it drives the fucking Kevin nuts and the rest of the team nuts because I don't give a shit what breaks in the company. I instantly am like, sorry guys, that's on me. And they'll you'll watch them like, no, 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 I fucked it up. I'm like, no, that's on me. And it drives them nuts. But what it does for me is instantly changes my mindset from any sort of victim or this is going to cost us or anything to solution mode. And it's the coolest mindset shift because you no longer are going, fuck, I can't believe this happened. This is so shitty. You start going, cool. What do we learn? How do we fix it? How do we move forward? How do we create? And it shifts all momentum. And then the team will rally behind you and be like, all right, cool. Let's get in the game. Let's figure this shit out. Let's move forward. doesn't mean we don't get pissed off sometimes and want to chunk shit across the room. It just instantly changes your mindset and the way you're thinking about it, gets you out of that victim mode and gets you back into creation mode. Which is, I think, it's, it's, it's inspiring. And again, and it's kind of like, I, I see why you had issues with like moving the chapters around. And I guess it's based upon the person that's reading it and right. where they are in their career when they're reading it. So for me, you know, the next chapter would be a, a chapter, I think it's probably my favorite chapter, right? Being the face of your company, like branding. Like again, you and I, we definitely understand branding. We, we, you, if you see my bald head, it's because I fucked up. I forgot my head. <laughs> right. Plain and simple. Yep, so I want you yep. just kind of leading from being your fault and showing the ownership. Like, what does it really mean for you in that chapter when you're talking about being the face of the company? Yeah, you know, a lot of it uh, came from the idea that, well, I mean, the different way of looking at it is, you know, you see all these commercials and I don't see a whole lot of commercials now anymore, but I was back in the day, I was seeing commercials. You saw the president of Johnson and Johnson, you know, you saw all these people showing up um, and probably the most fantastic example of all of it is Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Um, I mean, this motherfucker's goddamn brilliant. I mean, that dude getting ready to go live on Jimmy Kimmel. He's on fucking Instagram going, Hey motherfuckers, I'm fixing to go live on Jimmy Kimmel. You all better bring your asses over there because I'm about to go fucking bananas. And, and it's the idea, it's the ultimate people buy you and then get what you do. And for me, what I'd always done throughout my careers was build up that company's brand. And I didn't put this in a book and this just popped in my head, but I had an incident when I was doing commercial printing where a job went really south and we fucked it all up. And as I went out to talk to the client, mm-hmm. I blamed the company. And I'm like, yeah, dude, they dropped the ball. I can't believe they did this. And the guy looked at me. He goes, well, that makes it simple. If it's your company's fault, we'll never do business with you again. Mm. And I went, fuck. I just threw my company under the bus. And I instantly realized you can't forgive a company, but you can forgive an individual. Mm. Right. So so part of being the face of the company is getting so big and loud out there that no matter where somebody buys into your business, into your company, they're buying you. I mean, look at somebody like Gary Vee. This motherfucker puts something out there and he sells a shit ton of stuff. And people have I mean, his NFT, when his NFT hit the marketplace, 90 percent of the motherfuckers had no clue what they were buying. But because Gary said, same thing with Tom Bilyeu when he put out his NFT, motherfuckers had no clue what the hell they were buying. But because their personal brand was so strong, they were such a face of the company, they trusted him. So they were going to buy whatever he puts out. And that's a lot about being the face of the company is building that trusting relationship with your audience. They feel like they are buying you. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean... You know, we talked about it being your fault. And in, earlier on, I had made the, the acronym about Elizabeth and Kevin. And I would say chapter t- 12, I've rebranded that chapter. Kevin wins, right? Donnie was wrong. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't know what chapter was until you said that. <laughs> yep. Donnie was wrong and he started to build processes and systems. So <laughs> l- let's talk about that. Because, I mean, if you know Kevin, right, those that don't know Kevin, Kevin is, is a complete geek when it comes to systems and processes. And Donnie is kind of like, ah, and then to hear Donnie say that shit live on the audiobook, <laughs> you know, he didn't say Kevin was right, but he was like, yes, we started to create processes. <laughs> I should have said Kevin was right. Right. Um, uh, and I can tell you the day that I looked at Kevin and said, we got to fucking put processes, the shit eating grin that came over his face, like a kid in a fucking candy store. Um, and and here, here it is in, in black and white. I don't like rules. I don't like somebody telling me what to do. Process and systems felt like rules. 
Um, but that particular day, dude, Kevin looked at me and goes, Hey, did you get this done? Nope. Did you get this done? Nope. Did you get this done? Nope. And it was like a list of like 15 things and I hadn't done any of them, but I felt like I was doing them all right. And I was like, fucking hell. And so that was the day we got Asana and started using that as our, you know, our, our project management tool. And, and here's the thing, no business will grow. Mm-hmm. without systems and processes flip it it's impossible to scale a business without businesses without processes and systems so it was a painful lesson i still suck at them right um i still struggle with them and i don't i probably didn't put this in the book but one thing that i've learned is employees and vendors their job is to hold you accountable not the other way around so process and system is Kevin's way of fucking holding me accountable to make sure we're doing the proper things. And he loves it. I hate it, <laughs> but you can't do it without him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, like on a fun question, right? I mean, obviously your color palette is always going to be red, white, and black. So, I mean, like, let's talk about the cover design. Like what was the concept behind it? Why did you go with just such a, a simple cover with big, bold letters, man? Truth of the matter is I went to Amazon. I typed the word fuck into Amazon. And started looking at all the books that popped up. Second thing I did is I started looking at all the best-selling business books out there and went and looked. Biggest things I saw. One, there's no picture of the author on the cover, right? So that was one. Two, some of the biggest business books in the game were fuck you, punch you right in the face with their content graphics. And so what I did is I took a screenshot of all the biggest books in the world and then I threw up several different concepts I had of the cover and I went, okay, fast scrolling, which one's going to pop up. And that's the idea I took to Brian Price. And I said, okay, mimic this. This is what I want. I want this thing to fucking stand out bold as hell as people are scrolling through. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, going into like, you know, closing, I mean, obviously chapters 14, 15, and 16, I'm not even going to bring those up because I think those are like the real meat and potatoes to, to like the book. I mean, you're talking about growth, you're talking about scale, planning an attack, and just this is in business. So I'm not even going to talk about that shit. You got to buy the book to get those <laughs> last three fucking chapters and understand like the quality of information that's in this book. But in closing, I want to talk about the last chapter, which is you got this. I mean, obviously you laid out all these things. You talked about all the hurdles you've overcome. You talked about your wife kicking you in your ass, you know, the car being almost repossessed, the farm almost being repossessed, her, the, the extra house on the farm. And you talked about how you met Kevin. All these different stories are, are so compacted into your systems and structures of how you're doing business today. And then you still close out with some motivational shit at the end. So I want you to talk about you got this. You know, uh, you got this became a phrase that I found myself saying to a lot of other people, but not to myself. Um, So that whole chapter, which is chapter 17, I believe, um, was written as really a reminder to me as I continue on this journey, because nobody was out there looking at me saying, hey, Donnie, you got this right. It's going to work keep going, keep plugging. So I wrote that to me um, and knowing that it would resonate with other people because I was writing it as a reminder for me. And so I wanted that chapter to finish it up because I wanted it to be a placeholder when a motherfucker's getting stacked up against it, right? When they're going through it, the shit gets hard. I want them to go grab that chapter and just read that motherfucker again going, all right. Let's get in the game. You got this motherfucker. Let's go. That's a hundred percent how and why I wrote that chapter for that reason. Very cool. Very cool. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people like, you know, I have the physical book, but I have to say pound for pound. The physical book is great, but the audio book, I, I, I think the way you talk about the stories and I think, let me jump in here real quick. Yeah, uh, ahead, I love doing it. No, no, no. That's, that, that's, it. Is, yeah, is, that's it. That was yeah. my favorite thing about doing the audio book is being able to do that is add the extra fucking content stuff in there. Um, well, as a podcaster, I mean, you're used to doing that, right? So, I mean, to, to his point, he what he literally just says, like, you're reading a chapter. He may talk about GSDs and he's like, hey, this is Donnie right here. Let me jump in for a minute and tell you exactly what I'm talking about. So it's kind of like you're it's like the, the devil's advocate. But it's the same yep. damn person with two yep. different personalities talking at you at the same damn time. So I think the audio book kind of not only personifies it, but it brings the pages to life. I mean, it brings the vivid color that you're talking about and your value for sure. So if you're going to get it, I would say obviously get both of them. But having the audio book and the physical book at the bare minimum. 
Yeah, for sure. Hey, and you know, because I know we got a few minutes, I'll throw the offer out there that if anybody goes and purchases 10 books, I don't give a shit if it's on Audible. I don't give a shit if it's paperback. I don't care if it's Kindle. I don't know if you can do it on Kindle that way. But if they'll send me a receipt, private message, just an email to Donnie at DonnieBobine.com with that receipt of those 10 books, which at most will cost you 40, 50 bucks, um, I'll give them an hour of my time. Well, I'll sit down and help them work on their business, help them, you know, get their sales better, get their company working right, whatever. And I don't care how long this thing fucking airs for the rest of the life. I mean, evergreen shit. You go buy 10 of these books and you'll get an hour of my time. Yep. And I want you, I want you to listen to those numbers, right? I mean, especially the book right now selling for $3.99. So 10 books is $40. There's books that sell for $40. So you're getting 10 <laughs> for $40. And the, the goal here is, is you keep one book for yourself. And obviously the other nine books, then you delegate and you pass it on to pass that torch. I mean, that's what it's really yep. about. It's not about you holding on to the damn books and letting them collect dust. It's about taking right. nine fucking books and passing it on to nine other people. For so, sure. I mean, with that, Don, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule to be here today. I think you gave a hell of a lot of value, a lot of insight to to the book and I, you know i've kind of outlined this interview style to kind of personify these pages right so hopefully we did a great job of doing that yeah, did you and rocked I, it i appreciate you man you know and guys do me a favor um uh, as always if you got any tips tricks any value out of this man do essay the greatest favor and share this shit out with one person man growing a podcast it's a bitch growing that audience out and get more people. So literally, whether it's this episode or one of his other episodes, fucking send it to one other person and go, dude, you got to check this shit out. Um, it means the world to him. So share this shit out with him for him. I appreciate it, man. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Cage. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.